Refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss their Refer a Friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the Refer a Friend link under your profile in the Superbook app. Share the promo code with friends, and you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, a winner. It won't be this time. The Story. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from See You at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See You at the Game website and your host for the See You at the Game podcast. I am joined for this episode by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we will open with a review of CU's hard-to-take 34-31 loss to number 23, Arizona. As is our custom for the post-mortem on a game, we give our grades for what about the CU effort was excellent, what was satisfactory, and what still needs improvement for this tough loss. A game in which the Buffs never trailed the Wildcats until the clock read 0, 0, 0. We will then move on to our tips for the upcoming matchup against Washington State. Our preview will look at the game from the perspectives of talent, intangibles, preparation, and statistics before giving you our predictions for a game which will be played under the lights on a Friday night in Pullman. So, in a game featuring two of the top 10 passers in the nation and two of the bottom 10 rushing offenses in the nation, which team has the edge? Will the court hearing on the dispute between the Pac-2 and the Pac-10 have an influence on the Cougar coaches and players who are now less than two weeks away from officially becoming orphans. Which team? The team which started out 3-0 and and ranked 19th in the country? Or the team which started out 4-0 and and ranked 13th? Has enough emotional energy left in the tank to end their losing streak? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back, joined by Brad Geiger in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. How's Brad doing? Brad's doing okay. It was a uh, long and interesting week, including a great, at least a trip to Boulder on a great day on Saturday. That was, I guess, nice, but we will uh, 
could have preferred the result, but otherwise doing well. All right. And downtown Neil Langland, how are things in Larimer Square these days? Well, loving the warm weather. Uh, the restaurants down on the square are full. And many people still out on the streets a little bit, even with the donks on TV. And there is snow to the west. Many ski areas opening up. So, you know, you can play golf and ski in the same day. here. What else could you ask for? Well, it was, it was a beautiful day in, in Boulder for senior day. Took a lot of pictures for some reason. I don't know if I was getting nostalgic since it was the last home game of the season. Took some pictures of the south end zone, which is going to look completely different come next September with a new video screen that's going to be up there. So that'll be fun. Buffs led the entire game. Never trail until the clock read 0-0-0. A 34-31 loss. Four straight loss for the Buffs. Neil, what was your overall impression of uh, Colorado's 34-31 loss to number 23, Arizona? I had a good time. I enjoyed being in Boulder, as Brad said, on a beautiful day. Could not have been better, especially for November. Jeez. Uh, a lot of new fans in the stands, made new friends, had a good time. The Buffs made some great plays. They made some awful plays. There was drama. Enjoyed the game thoroughly, and I just did a sort of a little mental juxtaposition of, boy, what was this like last year at this time? And I'm loving it. You know, we're so much better. We have a long ways to go, but it was a fun day. One of the best uh, CU games at Folsom in, in a while. It was good. Liked it. Okay. Well, and Brad, we... We had a pretty good time in the sun. Got to see a lot of people pre-game, post-game, during the game. And, yeah, another sellout crowd. Six straight sellouts of Folsom Field, the first time in school history. They sold out every game. And over 52,000 of your favorite uh, Buff fans were in the stands. Uh, what was your overall take of the last home game of the season at Folsom? You know, I was impressed. The crowd was good. The crowd was enthusiastic. There were moments that it was kind of quiet, um, but there were also moments of a lot of excitement and a lot of uh, good times. There were times that the team showed a lot of spark and a lot of energy that there were periods of time where it seemed kind of quiet. But overall, for a, a lovely game um, against a team that we were supposed to not play with, that we played with, uh, it was a good game. Um, right up until that last drive, which just felt sadly inevitable after we missed the field goal. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll stick with you. We uh, do our grades of the categories of excellent, satisfactory, and needs improvement, so we don't have any failing grades. So in those categories, what would your take be of how the Buffs played as well as a nine-and-a-half, ten-and-a-half point underdog to a, a ranked team? and again, led throughout. I thought overall the passing offense was excellent. Shadur once again good. Um, once again, good under pressure. Made some good decisions. A uh, couple passes that were a little off, but I enjoyed it very much. It's the punt game, both in the return and in the punting, were quite good. We got some really nice returns. Uh Xavier Weaver had a couple of returns. He, he, has, he has amazing body control on the sideline. 
Um, and the punt team, what, two, two or three inside the five? Can't ask for much better than that. So um, the punt game was good. The kicking game, less so. Overall, enjoyed watching the game. You know, we still can't run the ball. We still can't protect the passer. But, um, and sometimes we can't stop the run, and sometimes we can, and that was confusing. So, uh, you know, passing game, excellent. Running game needs improvement. Passing defense, satisfactory. Rushing defense, you know, overall satisfactory, except when you need it. You know, kicking game certainly needs imp- uh, punt game, excellent. Kicking game probably needs improvement. Um, got one short kick that didn't help us. And of course, you got to be impressed with the game with zero turnovers. The only fumble in the game led to a 15 yard gain. Right. And one of your Xavier Weaver punt returns, the first one of the game that set up uh, CU's first touchdown. So, Neil, there is some excellence when you have a team that takes the, the lead and holds it for a good chunk of the game, some satisfactory things that come out of sticking with a ranked team. And of course, the team that lost for its four straight times, uh, some categories that probably need improvement. Where would you rank CU's effort in some of those categories? Well, excuse me, I'm going to say that overall, uh, team is satisfactory. I know that there are some things on items on both sides of the scale, but overall they balance out. Some of the positive things I thought was our hunting game, uh, Vassett, I could not be that accurate with a wedge and a bucket of balls. You know, (laughs) I couldn't be that accurate. I mean, he's amazing. And I I thought he did a nice job holding the ball. He was as good as could be expected. As Brad said, the return game helped us get short fields and, Boy, that's always a great thing to a struggling offense. I did notice that our place kicker uh, doinked one off the upright in warm-ups off the right one, so he was kind of pushing them all day long. I wish they would have corrected that, and that's something that they need to work on. The line, you know, is still what it is. The passing game, great. Boy, it's so fun building on that theme of so much better than last year of watching our skill players. Those receivers are just a, a ton of fun to watch and they're so athletic. I did like some of the things that the new OC did. Um, and I give, that's one of the reasons I give the offense a little bit of uh, a break. They did put in a, uh, a, an extra lineman for pass and run blocking. It seemed to help a little bit. So overall the offense they get a satisfactory minus um, defense, despite giving up some big runs and chunk plays. They made a lot of really nice stops in the run game. There was good pass defense. Uh, Travis Hunter saved a touchdown when he was in zone coverage in the end zone. Fantastic play. The defense still having a little trouble with their logistics. Uh, for example, one time, Hunter was by himself with two receivers in front of him on one play and trying to get some help from the sideline and his teammates. Luckily, Arizona didn't notice it, but they still need to work out their substitutions on defense. And, you know, I thought overall the defensive game plan 
was pretty good. And the schemes and the play calling, what showed up for the defense was the talent gap. And on some of those running plays where the running back was not even touched, that was just proof of the superiority, the superior talent, I'm afraid, of their offensive line versus our defensive front. It was, it was those times where the talent edge really showed up. So the defense gets an S minus also, and special teams get an excellent. Okay. Well, uh, what I've got, excellent. Really, I think the overall effort for a team we walked in the door thinking, okay, this is a Arizona team that's beaten three straight ranked teams. The Buffs have been struggling to score. The offense, when the line held, you could see what this offense can produce. Those middling passes that Brad likes so much that Shadur throws so well that if he has time to throw them, he can pick apart a defense and you can kind of just see what this team could have been if it had an offensive line. Uh, the fact that they never trailed until the clock read 0 I think is a testament to the fact that they were, you know, well prepared for this game, that they didn't decide that their season was over, that they kept playing and uh, had a really good effort overall. The atmosphere was great. You, Brad, you mentioned, you know, or maybe Neil, that, you know, you talked about what it was like a year ago. I have that story that I posted that the UCLA game, which the last game I attended last year, was 30-point game in the fourth quarter, and it was only a people, Brad and I, sit next to the Ralphie Handler sitting there, and we were the only ones pretty much in the entire section, and the UCLA scored early in the fourth quarter, and I turned to him and said, well, at least next year, our first game will be a sellout because it was going to be a Nebraska game. And, you know, the fear, of course, would be 50%, 60% Nebraska fans. But compared to what we had last year, a year ago, to what we have now, it's a night and day. Uh, satisfactory, I put the defensive effort. There was three three-and-outs, including two three-and-outs in the fourth quarter, where our history with the Buffs, we just knew that at some point the opposing team was going to drive down and get the winning points, but they forced two three-and-outs in the fourth quarter when it's like, well, if the offense had anything together, that could have been a completely different outcome. Uh, the only needs improvement I would touch on that you guys were talking about, again, is the penalties. That oh, yeah. It, it hurts us more than we remember because, you know, there's just some plays that get called back on offense, extending drives on defense. Just – can't do it. If you're a marginal team, if you're a team that has to do everything right to win, you can have 11 penalties. That's just nature of the beast. You, zero turnovers was great. Only three sacks, which tied for the season low. You know, it wasn't great, but certainly better than what we've seen in recent weeks. So, yeah, overall, other than the final score, everything was pretty satisfactory, pretty uh, pretty good about this game. So it might give Buff fans a little bit of hope going into week 11. We've got two teams that are both four and six, Washington State, and we're going to do our tips for that game. And again, that's talent, intangibles, 
preparation and statistics. And one number that jumps out, of course, is that CU started the season 3-0, and climbed as high as number 19 in the country. Washington State started out the season 4-0, and rose as high as number 13 in the country. And since then, the two teams have combined for a record of 1-12. So kind of painful to have two 1-6 teams that had great aspirations earlier in the season. But... These two teams are right now tied for the basement at one and six in Pac-12 play. So, Brad, let's start talking about Washington State. Let's talk about the talent that this team has and what you what you make of this team uh, that the Buffs are going to play on Friday night. And the thing they both having they also have in common is they both beat Colorado State. <laughs> um, Yay! Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great stat. You know, this is talent-wise, and I'm, this is going to be a theme throughout my commentary. These are really very similar teams. They are reliant on the pass. Um, Ward, Cameron Ward is a good but not great passer, but he's in the top 10 in the country. He tends to make mistakes at the key moments. He uh, has thrown five interceptions is all, but it just – Seems like times when you watch him, he makes some bad decisions, but he is plenty talented and plenty capable of putting up lots of yards. He also is their second leading rusher. So, um, you know, he is, he is what makes their offense go, but it has, there've been times that it just hasn't gone. There's been twice where they've been held. I mean, they, Arizona just demolished this team. Yeah. Um, held them to six points. Stanford held them to seven. Now we can't brag about Stanford, but we can at least score on them. So it's, it's, this is a weird offense that has been up and down, mostly up at the beginning and down recently. They're not amazingly talented. They protect Ward to some extent. And then on defense are fine. Like I said, they held Stanford to 10, but they also can get just run out of the park on, uh, by some other teams. So they're consistently inconsistent. I thought early in the season they were probably a more talented team than they've shown. They just haven't played up to their ability, and they seem kind of blah right now. Yeah, well, a six-game losing streak will do that to you. Neil, what uh, what hits you over the head when you're looking at the talent of the, the Cougars from the Palouse? Well, it's time for our weekly segment that we entitled, Yes, Size Does Matter. Um, <laughs> it's hard to find a good depth chart for Washington State, so I kind of just did some guessing based upon an early one in their roster. And surprisingly, our lines are about the same size. Uh, they match up pretty well. They've got a couple of big guys on either side, but, you know, there's no huge advantage there. So... Um, I'm expecting that we're going to be able to maybe stop the running game a little bit, put a little pressure on the passer, and we actually might have a running game this week based on the things that we did last week and the gradual improvement there and the fairly even matchup um, in the trenches. As Brad said, their QB is really quite an athlete, um, and he's and Brad is right that put a little pressure on him and you can force him into a inaccurate throw or a bad decision. 
And hopefully our DC is going to be designing that. And I think we've demonstrated we've got a few guys that can rush the passer a little bit. Number 88 really seems to be coming along for us the past few weeks on the defensive line, putting some pressure, making tackles. So I think our talent on D is going to be pretty well matched up against Washington State, even though our pass defense is not highly rated and their passing offense is. I think we'll be okay there. Okay. Well, yeah, I was kind of like you guys, kind of surprised by how similar these two teams are that we've been so used to looking at the stats and the talent level and saying, well, yeah, there's certain some gaps in our lineup that wonder if CU's going to be able to compete. But the numbers on these teams were 10 team were 10 games into the season. And so you, the stats really start to add up and be consistent. And these stats are pretty, pretty consistent for these two teams. Now, Cam Ward, I mean, it's only been 18 months, but I remember when he first signed with Washington State out of incarnate word, he was one of the first NIL babies that, uh, you know, the Washington boosters got together and put together an NIL deal for Cam Ward. And we were all like, wow, I wish Colorado could do something like that. Now, what Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders are making in NIL money, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a whole different world than what Cam Ward's making up in Pullman. But at the time, we were pretty jealous that they were able to get this four-star quarterback to come to play for Washington State. And in the talent-rich quarterback world of the Pac-12, he hasn't really stood out, but he is a talented guy. And if you look at these numbers, again, you know, a lot of consistencies. Shadur Sanders is fifth in the nation in passing with 3,144 yards. Cam Ward is 17 yards behind him, seventh with 3,127. Colorado is dead last in rushing. And Washington State's only two rungs above, 128. So these two teams pass the ball really well, don't run worth anything. But Brad, as you mentioned, Cam Ward is the second leading rusher. Now, mm -hmm. Shadur Sanders is nowhere near being CU's second leading rusher with all the sack yardage. So even counting all the sacks, because Washington State is 112th in sacks allowed. So it's not like he's been protected. He's getting sacked a lot. But if he's still the second leading rusher, that means he's scrambling a lot and getting a lot of yards. You know, if you're going to be the defensive coordinator for C, you better put a spy on this guy. Now, Nakai Watson is the leading rusher, but we have <laughs> how often have we said this this year that C has two running backs that have more yards than the opposing team's leading rusher. I'm venturing that hasn't happened, but both Dylan Edwards and Anthony Hankerson have more rushing yards than Washington State's leading rusher. They've got three wide receivers that are all very good. Uh, the names Lincoln Victor, Kyle Williams, and Josh Kelly. They're all pretty much, I mean, 73 catches for 723 yards, 711 yards, 687 yards. Uh, for comparison's sake, Xavier Weaver has 867 for CU, and then Jimmy Horton Jimmy Horn and Travis Hunter, both over 500. So both teams have three really good wide receivers. Both teams have a running game that doesn't exist. Um, so, yeah, on talent, 
both these teams have uh, a lot to go uh, that are pretty similar. Uh, the only thing that kind of worries me a little bit is that the Cougar defense has been playing better of late. Uh, Brad, you mentioned they only gave up 10 points to Stanford in a loss, but only 217 yards of total offense. Uh, CU's been hard-pressed to have 217 total yards of offense in a half, much less surrender only 217 in a game. And even when they lost 42 to 39 last week to Cal, they only gave up 327 yards. There were two fumbles. One was returned for a touchdown. One was fallen on in the end zone for a touchdown. So 14 of Cal's 42 points were defensive points. So Cougar defense has been playing a little bit better of late, even though their 10-game stats don't really show that. So, yeah, pretty similar teams. It'll be interesting to see how Buffs react playing a, a team that mirrors the same sort of style of play that they have. So, Neil, turning to our eye of intangibles, anything uh, on the intangible scale that uh, stood out to you that might have an interesting play on how the game's going to play out on Friday night? Short week. We're traveling on a short week, which is always a disadvantage. Uh, home field by the bookies typically is three points. I think add another point or two for the short week travel. And then there's the weather which oftentimes looks like a scene from Moby Dick, going to be a disadvantage for CU playing in that kind of weather if it is indeed wet. Um, it's, it won't be. It's, it's going to be fine. Okay. Wow. So much for my research. Thanks, Stu. Um, <laughs> so another thing is Prime and the way he's been motivating the team. I think that these kids kind of had redoubled their efforts and kind of rededicated. They seem to be motivational, at least. They're trying, they're playing hard, and they're playing for each other. Uh, what I can't understand is with that motivation and coaxing that the coaching staff is doing, how we have so many penalties and how we seem kind of disorganized at time. And so I'm not quite sure what to make of the, the motivation. And I'm, I'm hoping that the Buffs can pull something out of a hat in terms of emotional lift. It's best I've got here tonight, guys. Okay, Brad. Anything on the intangible category that you wanna you wanna talk about discuss? Well, I think I don't. You know, we all hate the idea of a uh, of a good loss. That that's you know, but I I think Washington State had a bad loss last week. It's not a good Cal team. They didn't play well. They played mistake prone. CU played a much better team. True, they were at home, but I thought they played a better game. So in terms of it, you know, if, if two teams on a massive losing streak and one of them has a little bit more men, momentum, I think it's probably CU. I think CU has something to go for. Washington State, like I said, they are desperately inconsistent. They are. There are times that they can just not show up so i think yeah i don't like being on the road i don't like traveling on a short week i'm glad the weather will be beautiful for pullman washington in november um <laughs> you know 47 degrees you know probably about 35 at kickoff but at least dry so i think i think there's a good chance that see i think there's a better chance that see you can build on last week uh, more than washington state can 
Okay. Well, when I put under intangibles, it's kind of off the field, off, but it's not out of mind. There is going to be a hearing, and of course, going in the Wayback Machine, because by the time people listen to this, it'll have already taken place, but Tuesday morning, there is going to be a hearing in the Whitman County Superior Court where Judge Gary Leiby is going to have a hearing on the Washington State, Oregon State versus the Pac-10 lawsuit. And while there might not be any final decisions made in terms of who gets to decide what and what's going to happen with the 23-24 money and what's going to happen in the post-24 money, if you're a Washington State player or coach, well, first of all, this is all playing out in your hometown. While Buff fans may not be too concerned about what's going to happen with the Pac-12 money, it's not just the money for these guys. It's their future that's at stake here. You've got players and coaches in the Orphan 2 that still don't know who they're going to be playing next year. They don't mm -hmm. know what conference they're going to be in. Um, as we speak, we're five weeks out from signing day. If you're a coach trying to recruit to this, you don't know if you're going to be a coach for this team next year. Now, it's one thing when you're 4-0 and ranked 13th in the country to have plenty to play for. Let's rub it in their noses. Let's do a revenge tour and take it to the, the Pac-10 and, you know, get ourselves into the Pac-12 championship and make a name for ourselves as we boot these guys out the door. But on a six-game losing streak, when every time you turn on the radio, every time you open up a newspaper, or I guess look at your tablet, I guess dating myself a little more, saying open up your morning <laughs> newspaper. But whatever it is that these kids are doing, they're hearing pretty much every day about this lawsuit because it is it was intentionally filed right in their backyard. So there's supposed to be a hearing Tuesday morning. What Judge Leiby might do with that or whether or not there's going to be a settlement at the last minute, uh, those listening might know more about that than we do right now because it's going to be in the past tense by the time you listen to this. It's going to have an effect on them. And I don't know if I'm a player. Yes, I'm playing, putting something on tape in case I have to go somewhere else. If I don't want to be playing Utah State and New Mexico next year, if I don't see that as my way to getting to the NFL, I'm trying to do an audition tape to make myself look good for potential suitors in the transfer portal. And the coaches who are supposed to be recruiting, they don't know if they're going to have jobs. They don't know who the coaching staff is going to be. They don't know if their head coach is going to want to go somewhere else. Maybe he can't now. Maybe when he's 4-0, and he should taken another job and you know left at that point because he's not going to be that hot of a commodity after six straight losses but that's something that doesn't weigh on the CU players and coaches as much as it must on the Washington State players and coaches so on the intangible side anyway I kind of saw it that uh, that'd be an advantage for CU especially this week when there is a hearing on this court case deciding who's going to get the money and ultimately you know, how things are going to play out because Washington State and Oregon State have to get some sort of a resolution here. They can't have this thing drag out indefinitely, even if they end up with money. 
if signing day comes and goes and they don't have a schedule, they don't have a conference to go to, who's going to want to sign with them? So maybe or maybe may not be weighing on them, but if it does, advantage Colorado. So moving on to preparation and schedule. Uh, Brad, you got anything in the P category other than the fact that it's a Friday night game and the, the Buffs have a short week? The nice part is we're used to playing at night because we keep doing it. You know, schedule-wise, they're, like I said, they are they get to be at home on a short week. But, you know, it's been a challenge for them. I, other than the, you know, I hate Friday night games, like most people do, or at least on national TV. So not a whole bunch of difference here. Again, this is the, at this point, they're not going to show us anything we have. They haven't. We haven't seen on tape before. They're not going to show us anything else. Um, I don't worry about short preparation this late in the season. We seem to be doing okay in terms of injuries. We don't need anybody to get healed up. So it's just lace them up and play, and then we get to spend Saturday watching other teams. <laughs> so other than your schedule, Neil, getting to uh, <laughs> watch other games, uh, the uh, Bobcat Grizzly game will be on at noon. Uh, Montana, Montana State, the the brawl of the wild. Both teams are eight and one in conference play, both in the top five in the FCS polls. So not only bragging rights, but the Big Sky Championship and the top seeding will be on uh, on tap if you want to watch the game from Missoula at noon mountain time. I'm sure it's probably on ESPN Plus or something like that. Uh, but other than that, Neil, you got any late night Friday preparation, or is there anything about the schedule that uh, stands out to you that will have an impact on Colorado versus Washington State? Well, with a shorter week, as Brad points out, um, you probably don't need a lot of fundamentals at this time of the season. So I would say on defense, simplify a little bit. And just since the talent is fairly even, gamble a little bit with some blitzes, create some new blitzes perhaps. I think on offense, continue uh, the O-line support with an extra blocking back, tight end, what have you. And I think try to emphasize this time, maybe in the run game, trying some different schemes rather than just the, the read option as the base. How about a little gap? How about some some traps. There was a little bit of that last week. So let's let's do some more of that. See if we can diversify the running game and actually get something out of it. Um, because just running the same stuff time and time again is not really working. And we have an opportunity against a relatively weak uh, relative to other opponents defense that we could probably run the ball against. So let's try to emphasize that. And if they can do that, then the passing game will just take care of itself. I think those would be the major things I would say. And, you know, just in terms of prep, let's work on penalties if we can, please. Whatever that takes, concentration, uh, repetition, I don't know what else, but we can't have as many penalties as we had last week because some of those contributed significantly to the outcome. we got to fix that. So fix those penalties and the other things I mentioned and – we should be in good shape. Okay. Well, I think I had really on preparation or the schedule, both teams, again, are four and six. Both teams 
are not anybody's bowl projections at this point with the losing streaks that they're coming into with these games. Both teams are going to go into the offseason lamenting their Stanford losses because if either one had, had five wins coming into this game, this would be a game for a bowl. Colorado has to go on the road to play Utah next weekend. Washington State has to go on the road to play at Washington next weekend. So being realistic, neither one of those teams are likely to have much of a chance at winning game 12. So both teams would have wanted to come into this game with five wins. You know, Colorado was a win at Arizona. If we the game would turn out differently for Colorado and sit, see you was sitting here at five and five, you would definitely give Colorado an advantage going into this game, thinking that a bowl bid is right there for the taking. Similarly, if Cal had fallen to Washington State, instead of it being a 42-39 Cal victory, Washington State would be sitting here with five wins and going, this is our chance. This is our opportunity to get to six wins and get a bowl bid because going to Seattle for the Apple Cup, as much emotion as there will be for that game, perhaps being the last Apple Cup for a while, not going to give Washington State too much of a chance of winning that game. So this game really doesn't matter as much, or it'll be their seventh loss, excuse me, they're already four and six. So figuring CU's not going to win at Utah, figuring Washington State's not going to win at Washington, this game means a whole lot less than it did potentially a week ago or several weeks ago before both teams lost to Stanford and gave up their best chance of having a fifth win coming into this game. So I don't know which team is already mailing it in, which team is ready to keep playing. Now, generally, you'd say that would favor the home team on senior day, that they would have more to play for than the Buffs who have pretty much no chance of making a bowl at this point. So the final category, S, of tips for statistics. Neil, any numbers that uh, you want to pass along to the, the Buff Nation as to what they can look out for or what, what might make a difference in this game? Just a few. Wazoo's passing offense is ranked third, and they do about 340 yards a game. CU's pass defense is ranked 128th and gives up an average of 292. So it looks like it's going to be a little pass happy uh, on Friday night, I'm guessing. Our turnover ratio is positive. Theirs is negative. The defense um, needs to help out the offense with a turnover or two. And, you know, the penalty thing, as I mentioned before, Wazoo was pretty pretty good on their penalties. They only have 5.7 a, a game and about 46 yards worth of penalties. So they seem to be pretty well disciplined and we can't have a gap in penalties like we had last week. So I, I would say those are the key stats that we have. Just summarizing a little more total offense for Shadur Sanders is about 3,100. And as Brad, uh, or I think you mentioned, their QB is about 3250 somewhere in there. So it should be interesting to watch the two quarterbacks go at each other. I expect both of them to put up some good stats. Other than that, as we've mentioned many times, these things are pretty even, these teams are pretty evenly matched, and it shows in the stats as well. 
Okay. Any any numbers that will make a difference to you, Brad? Any numbers that stand out? Stats that uh, could play a role on Friday night, late at night, Pac-12 after dark on yeah. FS1. None that Neil didn't steal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it's astonishing how close these teams are. CU is averaging, our scoring offense is 30.5. Washington State is 30.3. Now, passing offense, they're within 20 yards of each other. Rushing defense, they're within about 40 yards of each other. Um, they just, these are the two same, same two teams. And everything says that this is going to be probably closer than the five and a half it started. I think it's gone down to four on the line. This really does feel like the team that makes the last mistake will lose. If CU is going to win this, they probably have to have a turnover. That's the thing that probably cost them the Arizona game was that there were a couple of times when the ball could have turned over that it didn't and um, that we never got that big play. If, you know, the team that fumbles in the fourth quarter, the team that gets the pick in the fourth quarter, um, or the team that makes the massive uh, game-changing penalty, um, will probably lose this game. Uh, we hope, you know, CU is probably more likely to make the penalty, but they're also more likely to get the turnover. Yeah. Well, Coach Prime says they just need to learn how to win, and we were lamenting that during the whole fourth quarter. I mean, I kept saying we needed a turnover, we need a turnover, we need that. And you said three and out, and they did get the two three and outs that they just couldn't do anything with it, which is very frustrating. But Arizona was a turnover team and didn't have any turnovers. The Cougars, Washington State's 98th in the nation in turnovers. So, again, we're talking about a team that does turn the ball over. So maybe this will be the weekend where that that final bounce when it's an otherwise even game, will bounce CU's way instead of the opposition way. One number I wanted to point out, statistic-wise, because this is something the Buffs have been really good at all year, it just doesn't seem like CU, is uh, in the red zone, that Colorado is third in the nation in red zone offense. 35 out of 36 scoring opportunities, including... 26 touchdowns, so it's not only just getting down there and making field goals. They've actually been scoring touchdowns. The only one red zone opportunity that the Buffs didn't score was, of course, in the second overtime, Shadour throwing interception in the end zone against Stanford. So pretty painful miss going back to the whole one turnover type of thing against on teams you can beat. Meanwhile, the Buff defense is 28th in the nation. There have been 34 out of 44 scores, but that means there's 10 times, 23% of the time that teams venture into CU's red zone that they don't score any points. And considering teams are scoring a lot, has a lot of yards against the Colorado defense, that's uh, actually pretty impressive that the defense has been able to stand up in the in the red zone. The only other couple of numbers I'm just going to pass along in case Things do get out of hand and you're starting to think about nodding off or just kicking back and going to bed as it gets close to midnight and the buffs are trailing by two touchdowns. You can watch the Shadur start setting records. He's only 57 yards short of setting the season, the single season record for passing yards. He's going to pass Cepho Lufau 
If he doesn't on Friday night, then there's a real problem. Only needs 57 yards for that. Needs three touchdowns to pass Sappho's touchdown single season record. 79 attempts and 34 completions. So he might not get those two until the finale against Utah, but he's really in line to pretty much set all of the single season passing records in CU history. So if you can't win on the scoreboard, at least set some records. So Shadur is going to be in the record books one way or the other come the end of the 2023 season. So that leads us to the much awaited, much anticipated predictions. So Brad, we'll we'll start with you. How you say lines come down a little bit. We'll give you five and a half, make it easier for you to bet on the buffs. How do you uh see CU's Friday night lights in Pullman playing out? Feels close. This feels really close. It feels like two teams that are almost exactly in the same position as terms of this season, but going, I think, almost certainly different directions after this. As you said, Washington State's going to be struggling against, I think, Boise State next year, whereas we're playing Oklahoma State. Those are different trajectories. Um, and I think that may add up. I think CU gets this one, 34-31. Okay. Take that Arizona score and turn it around in, in CU's favor. Okay. Neil, what do you think? Well, the bookies are thinking somewhere like 34-30 Wazoo over his 64. I'm thinking that just in betting terms that there are going to be more points than that. And I, like Brad, are going to I'm going to turn that around also and say that CU wins 35-30. And I think that they're not going to make the bad mistake. They're going to be the ones this week that make that drive at the end of the game to win the game. I'm going out on a limb here, but I like CU's momentum, even though they lost last week. Okay. Well, CU hasn't had a whole lot of success in the Pac-12 in the 13 years that the Buffs have been part of the conference. But I was there for their one win in 2012 when they went 1-11 and and looked really, really bad doing it. It was the worst season you had until 2022 came along. But they went to Washington State after a week after losing 70-14 to to Oregon and actually upset Washington State with a last-minute drive, a last-minute touchdown. And of course, then they went on to lose the rest of the every game. And I don't think they've beaten Washington State and Washington State since they had a win in uh, Seattle back in 2004. But that was long before we were part of the the Pac-12. I'm with you guys. You know, it's our last chance really to pick CU with a straight face. I've been going against them saying, well, I'm not going to pick the buffs until they can prove that there's a reason to pick the buffs. But I'm with you guys. I don't know if it's going to be as high scoring as you guys think. I have it as Colorado 27, Washington State 24. So, again, a close win. Coach Prime keeps saying they have to learn how to win. And here's that last best opportunity to do that. I think the whole offseason, 
is going to look a lot brighter and everything is going to taste a whole lot better if they can get that fifth win and don't end the season on a six-game losing streak. So last best chance to do it. Let's pull out all the stops. Let's get some turnovers and let's get out of there with the win so we don't finish in the basement in CU's final season as a member of the Pac-12. So, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we uh, adjourn for the second to last preview of the year? You know, I'm uh, glad it's going to be the last night game. I'm tired of trying to make it up till midnight, especially a game that I think is going to come down to the fourth quarter. But we have to all admit this is a lot more interesting season than we thought it was going to be this time a year ago. Okay. Neil, anything for the, the masses? Any words of wisdom to pass along? I think that this is going to be a bit of a turning point for our buffs. Um, I thought last week might be that game. So I'm going to stick to that and say I think this will be the time when the buffs kind of build something for next year and come out and play pretty well in this game. So I'm expecting, you know, to wake up Saturday morning with a smile. Okay. Well, you're the kind of guy that wakes up every morning with a smile regardless. You know, <laughs> so we're safe on that score, but hopefully you're not smiling because you're thinking about skiing. That you wake up smiling because you're thinking about a Buffs victory number five and the dreaming of having a sixth win by upsetting Utah in Salt Lake City. So we'll leave it like we'll leave it at that for now. And thank you, gentlemen. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation. I hope you are subscribing to the podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See What the Game website. I'll be back next week with Brad and Neil, and we will give you our review of the Washington State game, as well as our preview for the regular season finale on the road against Utah. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game. Refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss their Refer a Friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the Refer a Friend link under your profile in the Superbook app, share the promo code with friends, and you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. 
So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.